Big idea. Jesus' desires, identity, authority, and activity originated in and were supported by his prayer life. Our weekly identity statement, When I know who I am, I know what to do. I know who I am by knowing my Creator. I know my Creator through prayer. And our memory verse, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. Do you ever get stressed out? I do. There are times when I can feel that I'm stressed out, and there are other times when I don't feel stressed, but my body tells me otherwise. Stress, while it can be bad, is not always a bad thing. If we see it the right way, it is actually a useful tachometer. Don't know what a tachometer is? It's the gauge in many cars that that tells you the engine's RPMs or rotations per minute. On the tachometer, it will show you numbers usually in the 1 to 8 range, give or take. The first 5 to 6 numbers, 1 through 5, are white. And around number 5 or 6, the numbers turn red. Why? Because if you run your engine at a high RPM for too long, it can damage it. Our bodies have limits. We're not infinite beings like God. We will live for eternity, but we aren't infinite in power and ability like God is. We do vastly underestimate our power and the power of the Holy Spirit in us, but we still have limits. I think our limits are generally much higher than we think they are, but still. Stress is kind of a tachometer in our lives. When we notice ourselves feeling stressed out about something, we need to do something about it. And that's why Sabbath is so important. If we operate at high stress levels without giving our bodies a chance to recover, it can have deadly consequences. Stress builds plaque in our arteries and increases the production of cortisol in our brains, and those aren't good things. But another important tool for stress is prayer, and we see this prominently displayed in Jesus' life. Remember, Jesus was fully human. So, when he was dealing with difficult situations, he would have experienced stress like we do. For example, in John 6.15, we read, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus was in a crowd who had an agenda for his life. He was literally being pressed in from every side, but Jesus knew that that was not his mission or his calling. So, what did he do? He got himself out of the stressful situation and went to the mountain by himself. Going to the mountain was where Jesus most liked going to pray. When the people surrounding Jesus had an agenda for his life that didn't line up with his calling, he got away to pray. After an intense and probably somewhat stressful evening of ministry, Jesus went to pray by himself. Mark chapter 1, verse 32 through 35. That evening, after sunset... The, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. After spending the late hours of the day and night healing people and driving out demons, instead of sleeping in the next morning, Jesus got up to pray. Why? Because Jesus understood something we forget. 
We understand that our bodies need nourishment to be able to function, so we eat and drink what we need for our physical bodies. In the same way, our soul needs to be nourished. This happens through communion with God, which can only be done through prayer. We can do this in many forms like like meditation or prayerfully reading the scriptures through solitude and silence. But after a long night of ministry, though he was undoubtedly physically tired, Jesus had just expended all of the energy from his soul in ministry. He understood that he needed to replenish his soul as much, if not more, than he needed sleep. In the deepest moments of stress and anxiety he would face, Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 45. Jesus went out as usual. That phrase, as usual, is important because that was something that Jesus did regularly, as usual. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. First, we see confirmation that prayer is the way to not fall into temptation. But Jesus must have been heavily tempted in this moment to abandon the plan. He knew what was going to happen. He understood the prophecies about himself. When he studied the Old Testament, he knew that he would be hung on a tree. He knew what was coming. And he took his extremely honest feelings to the Father in prayer. God can handle your doubts. God can handle your ungodly desires. God can handle all the ways you want to do your own thing instead of his. The example of Jesus is to take them to the Father in prayer. This, by the way, is the only prayer of Jesus that wasn't answered the way Jesus wanted. Jesus prayed for the cup to pass from him, but it didn't. Jesus' prayer wasn't answered the way he wanted, and even though he didn't get his way, he prayed a prayer of submission. I don't want to do what I'm about to do, but... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it was. Perhaps most remarkable to me are Jesus' prayers while he was enduring the cross. Think about the mental and physical strain he was experiencing. His body, mind, and spirit had been pressed and stretched beyond the breaking point. What came out of Jesus in these moments of utter emptiness when his life was literally being poured out for you and me? Prayer. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He was hanging on the cross and acting as the mediator between the Father and the people committing this egregious offense. Matthew chapter 27, verse 47, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Whether or not the Father actually turned his back on his own son is debated. Regardless, Jesus must have felt forsaken. He must have felt that he is completely and utterly alone on that cross, naked and exposed, being mocked and hated. Maybe he had been forsaken. Maybe Jesus was just feeling the full attack of the enemy on the cross, and this was a lie that the devil was trying to get into Jesus' head. Whatever it was, in that moment, instead of just having those feelings in his own mind and spirit, he prayed them out to God. 
This is incredibly important. When we feel alone and isolated, when we may feel forsaken by friends, family, or God himself, the worst thing we can do is keep those feelings locked up in our minds. As long as those thoughts and feelings stay locked in our interior, they have sway, if not control, over us. I cannot tell you how many people I've seen set free from a lie simply by expressing it out loud. Is there a lie the devil has planted in your soul that you are afraid to take to the Father because it feels blasphemous to do so? Follow Jesus' example and take the lie to the one who is truth, where the lie will lose every ounce of power it has in your life. Jesus' last prayer on the cross was as he faced the most terrifying experience every human will face, death. As the way, the truth, and the life was about to die, what did life do? He prayed, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Jesus was heading into foreign territory. His entire existence from before the foundations of the world have been life and life alone. His words were life. His community with the Father and the Spirit was life. His creation was life. All Jesus knew was life. But the moment he took on human likeness, he made himself submissive to death. He knew from the beginning he would have to go through death's door in order to defeat it. As he was heading into the great unknown, he did all he knew how to do, trusted the Father. That word commit means to place down before someone like a meal, to deposit and trust, commit to one's charge. As Jesus faced the unknown ahead, he trusted his spirit to the Father. In life's most difficult and pressing moments, the example Jesus set for us was to go to the Father in prayer. While we are often tempted to run from the Father because we are ashamed of our thoughts and feelings, Jesus' example is to do the opposite, run to the Father. Think of it this way. You're a kid in elementary school, and the school bully targets you at recess. You're such a loser. Hey, fatso, get off the swing. Here, piggy, piggy, piggy. Don't go down the slide unless you want the fire department to come and save you with the jaws of life. You ride the bus home. Go to your room and let the lies of this bully bounce around your mind. Maybe for the evening, maybe for weeks, maybe for years. But what would happen if you went to your mommy? Mommy, Tommy at school called me fat. You know what would happen. Your mom would tell you, you're not fat. You're perfect just the way you are. There's nothing I don't love about you. Forget about what Tommy said. He just does that because he feels bad about himself. And then your mom would probably call the principal or Tommy's mom and uh, take care of business. Don't give Tommy authority in your life by holding in his lies. Don't let the accuser plant seeds of doubt and frustration in your soul that you don't take directly to the Father. He loves you. The Father loves you. There's nothing about you he doesn't love. He wants the best for you. His ways for you are the best ways. Tommy doesn't want you to go to the Father. He wants to keep you from him because he's jealous. He can't have what you have. He turned his back on it. So in his misery and pity party for himself, he wants to bring you down with him. If you roll around in his dung, you're going to smell like dung. Let the Father wash you clean. Our daily scripture focus for today is Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. As we wrap up, I encourage you to take a few minutes and think and pray through a few things. 
First conceptualize. Imagine Tommy, the devil, accusing you of something. Imagine him doing some name-dropping in your mind. Loser. Moron. Idiot. Fatso. Incompetent piece of worthless garbage. Addict. Pessimist. Lazy. And the list goes on. Now, imagine going right to the father to tattle on Tommy. Second, reflect. Are you stressed out? Are you anxious? Are you being tempted to turn away from God or His will? Are you feeling like God has abandoned you? Third, repent. Spend some time praying and ask God to change your heart and your mind about accusations of the devil that you haven't taken to Him, but instead you've embraced as your identity. Allow God to replace those false identities with His identity for you. Chosen, loved, worthy, child, holy, saint. And finally, thank God. Thank God for the example Christ set for us in difficult situations. Thank God for the way he responded to stress, anxiety, and the attacks of the enemy. Thank God that you too can respond in the same way Jesus did. <laughs>